You're listening to the Ones Ready Podcast, a team of Air Force Special Operators forged in combat with over 70 years of combined operational experience, as well as a decade of selection instructor experience. If you're tired of settling and you want to do something you truly believe in, you're in the right place. Now here's your favorite CCT personality, JTAC extraordinaire, embracer of the ridiculous face, and like the shortest operator you'll ever meet, Peaches. Hey everyone, welcome to the Ones Ready Podcast. You're in the team room with Brian Trent and I. Uh, we want to welcome everybody back. We really appreciate you guys listening in and subscribing and hopefully leaving a good review. If not, tell us how bad we're doing. So like normal, we've got our partners that we partner with. We've got for your naturally born uh, caffeine, we've got Alpha Brew Coffee Company. For your energy on the go, we have Strike Force Energy. For your rucks, your military gear, and getting out and hunting, we have Eberly stock. And we actually brought somebody new on who is uh, Hoist. So it's a hydration drink. It gives you IV level hydration. I know I've been using it for probably about a month now. Really like it. I think, Trent, didn't you say you had a PR the other day and you think it was because of this? Yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> you know, usually I think most of the stuff is nonsense. You know, I read the label. I'm like, you know, sure whatever. And then I start drinking it and I was just like, oh, there's, there's a noticeable difference when I'm, when I'm doing what I'm doing. Yeah. I like smashing it after a workout. But so if you're interested in any of those or trying them out, go to their websites and then enter the promo code ones ready and you'll get a discount. You know, we want to, we get a lot of questions all the time, which is great. We love the questions. We want you to keep them coming. Some of them are, or not some of them, a lot of them are repeat questions. So what we want to do is kind of hit some of the frequently asked questions, kind of like we have done in the past. Some of these might be a double tap, but there are still people that are out there asking for it. So we felt that it was uh, important to cover it. So I'm going to start asking you guys some questions and then we'll go from there. Let's do it. Yeah. Yeah. All right. First question is, if I'm over 18 years old, do I actually have a chance of making it? What if I'm in my 30s? What do you think, Trent? I'd say yes and yes. You know what I mean? Like, it's it's wholly dependent on who you are, the preparation uh, that you've put in, and your willingness to push through. You know, the all the the hurdles that you're going to encounter in the pipeline. Uh, I've seen guys that enlisted when they were 17 shipped as soon as they were 18, make it through the pipeline, and I've seen guys that were, you know early to, to later 30s make it through the pipeline and I've seen everybody in between including those age groups quit and so this I don't think it has as much to do with age I think there's advantages on both sides obviously um, if you're 18 you're not going to feel like me every morning after being crushed um, but <laughs> if you're in your 30s uh, and you have a little more life experience some of the uh, psychological hurdles that, that you might come up against uh, you'll have a better perspective or you might have more perspective. I don't want to say better, more perspective on, on what those are and the reasoning behind everything that's happening. And it might make it easier in that way. Yeah. I think, uh, really important that what you said, the person that has, you know, 30 years in their life has a better perspective on life in general. And they've seen more things they've been, you know, at a certain job, they may have started a career somewhere else and decided it's not for them, but they have a purpose and a reason why they're there because they could have, potentially had a successful career in something else that they had studied. They probably went to college. They probably have, you know, a spouse or something like that. So there's other things that, um, 
are driving them, but those are also kind of distractors. So if you're in that uh, later age group um, joining, and the cutoff is 39, because we also get that question a lot. Just want to throw that out there, 39 years old. Um, but if you're in that older age group, just consider those factors and take care of your finances, your family, and everything so you can focus on the pipeline and getting through selection. On the other hand, those guys that are 18 years old or just a little bit on the young side, the best thing that they do is they recover fast and they don't have to worry about all those other things that are back at home or whatever. You know, when I went through, I was 20 years old. I didn't really have much else back at home that I had to worry about. It's like, okay, I'm in the military. They're going to pay for me to do everything I need to do. So all I need to do is focus on getting through indoc. So that was a benefit for, you know, being a little bit younger. I think, so I think the cut line yeah. is, you know what a hangover is versus you don't know what a hangover is. <laughs> yeah. I hit 21 when I was in dive school during pool week. So that's Whoa. when I found out what that was. <laughs> Legally. Well, it, if you are an older guy too, and you're coming through guy or gal and you're coming through, understand that just because of your age, unless there's other cross trainees in your team or on your team, and there likely will be, but even them, they will look to you for a little bit of, you know, hey, I need some mentorship, at least in the game of life. Um, and it could translate into that as well. But I definitely remember as a 17-year-old looking up to not only the older guys, but also the guys that were cross trainees. So, all right, next 100%. question. We crushed it. Uh, should I take classes or study anything prior to joining? Over to you, Brian. All right. So the big one that we get with this is for pararescue specifically, should we do the paramedic thing before we go into becoming a PJ? Um, I say if you want to do that and you have time in your schedule, you're not, you don't think you're ready or something like that. Sure. Go ahead and do that. But don't waste time trying to do that outside of the military because the military is going to pay you and they're going to train you up with all the medical knowledge that you need to have in order to be a successful pararescueman. And it's the same thing with uh, CCT. You're not going to go over there and try and get an ATC job or anything before you go into the pipeline. It's not necessary. You're going to be there. Um, yeah, that's going to be your main function, but they're going to teach you exactly what you need to know in order to do that. Um, I'd say if you have time or you're just you know, trying to get through college because you have to experience college first. Um, everybody's different. I kind of did the same thing. I went to college two years because I thought that's what I was supposed to do, but I ended up, you know, switching over and going to the military. So if you have to do that, then sure, you could take anatomy, you could take all that stuff. It'll help you. Um, and if that's what you're interested in, then yeah, do it. Um, but other than that, don't waste time. Um, just trying to get through a college course to think that it's going to give you an upper hand or something when it comes to selection. Cause it's personality based, not knowledge based. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I know one of the other things that we, we like to talk about is training scars, right? Um, having to unlearn things to relearn them the way that we do it. When you're in the pipeline, even if, uh, the way that we're teaching you is not necessarily the way that it's happening in the real world, you will be graded on doing it uh, each task the exact way that we teach you how to do it and you're expected to do that. Um, so sometimes real world experience across the, uh, across all the skill sets that are, are required in the pipeline, um, can be a little bit, uh, it can, it can be something that you have to overcome. Another thing that you have to overcome. Uh, I have a, an example. It's kind of a, a silly example, but when I was an instructor at Keesler, we had a guy and we were teaching them how to do kettlebells. We do it a very specific way to keep it safe for the guys that have never touched a kettlebell before. And we had a guy that was like a high-level CrossFit dude that's like, no, 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 that's not how you do it. You swing the, you know, like, and he wanted to get in this big old argument with us. 
And we're like, dude, that's not that's not how we do it here. And so like to him, get pat getting past just something as simple as that on how you do kettlebell cleans and, and presses and all that other stuff. Uh, you know, he wasted some energy and it wasted our time and uh, it, it didn't really help him at all in the pipeline. Yeah, and if you're going to going back to Brian talking about college, if you're going to have to get student loans to do some of this, you know, pre pre military academics and training, like it's not worth it. It's definitely not worth going in debt for, because mm-hmm. we're going to pay you to learn how to do it. So, exactly. Only Dodge Challengers yeah. are worth going into debt for. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, that's like a, a yeah. Lauren do you actually joke. have a Dodge Challenger? I, I don't. It's just you know, like the the Mustangs <laughs> or the Camaros or the Challengers that are sold right outside base for ridiculous yeah, APRs. V- yeah, they're all V sixes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, twenty six percent APR. Every two you don't need to go in one. debt if you spend your entire bonus on it. Right? <laughs> yeah. That's the, the seventh group parking lot when you want to, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, next question. Uh, should I take swim classes before joining? Um, Brian? All right. So a lot of people, they start off, they're like, I've never swim, swim before in my life. Where do I get started? If you're in high school and you have access to a swim coach, then join the swim team or join a summer swim league, join any of that. Kind. I did, you know, once and a half summers of swim team whenever I was like 14 or something like that. That's all the training that I had, but that set me up to at least know the basics. And then from there, you know, when I was at the pool swimming at the uh, Gold's gym or whatever, I would talk to the old people that knew like, or looked like they knew what they were doing. And I'd ask them to teach me how to swim and, told them why I was training and all that kind of stuff. And they, you know, like doing that kind of stuff and they like the mentorship. So I did that. And if you can find someone to coach, another thing that a lot of people have had a lot of success with is total immersion swimming. It's a book that's out there. And a lot of guys have found that really useful for training. I personally have not um, done all the training that's in the book, but that's another thing that I just sit out there. I, th- I think we're the old people at Gold's Gym now teaching people how to swim. <laughs> But yeah, probably. It, that's all I could think about when you said the that, old people. That's if, that, that's if they were open. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, now. Like, and, you know, 18-year-old Brian walks in there, and, like, he sees old people, and I'm like, I think that's us now. That's <laughs> We have our stuff set up on the side of the pool just so we can get our stuff, and our cell phone doesn't get well, that's wet. Just, that's just training scars. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> Don't touch my yeah, that's true. That's all that is. <laughs> like kids doing cannonballs, and you're yelling at them. <laughs> <laughs> Trying to do laps here. <laughs> It's a three foot pool. You're going to hit your head. Be careful. <laughs> but to, to, so, you know, oh, go ahead. No, I was just to, to answer the question. The, the more time you can spend in the water, the better. I could probably save my own life for about 50 meters in calm water when I joined. That was the extent of my water comfort. Um, so I, I always recommend spend a lot of time in the pool. Even if you're just swimming laps, just all that time you're facing the water uh, is going to pay off. So in this same swimming vein that we're in right now, do you think guys should be practicing freestyle, thinning, or both? I'll let you go first, Trent, (laughs) since I went first last time. I mean, I didn't have a pair of fins before I joined. You know what I mean? Like, I'm I'm a victim of my circumstance. If you have fins and you can can train to it correctly and you can watch the videos that – um, you know, that your lead arm, trail arm, and, and all the different strokes, your uh, combat rescue stroke and all that. Um, yeah, why not? Why not train with fins? I know personally, though, like, 
I did a, a lot of freestyle swimming in the beginning. And I think what that helped me develop was a real uh, awareness of hydrodynamics and how my body uh, worked in the water. And so without the fins, I, I didn't have that I'm a pretty good finner, you know what I mean? So like the first time I put fins on, it wasn't a big deal going from uh, all the, the hundreds of meters that I'd put in uh, just slick freestyle. Um, it was a pretty easy transition, but I learned how my body reacts in the water, how to get actual fast and how to relax in the water without any of that stuff. And I think that paid off for me and that might've just been a psychological thing for me, but I don't see, I don't think there's necessarily anything wrong with training with fins. Yeah, I'd, I'd say if you're going to get fins, um, a lot of guys start off with the trainer fins, which are the ones that are fit like a sock. You don't need a booty for, and then work your way up or alternate between, you know, your jet fins. If you have the funds to buy the jet fins and the booties and everything, um, but alternate between those no fins and, you know, kickboard. I like to just vary it up. Like, like uh, Trent was saying, spend hours and hours in the pool and learn how to swim and how, learn how your body flows through the water and how to keep yourself as streamlined as possible get fast with every single kind of stroke you um can obviously you're gonna have to do the lead arm trail arm you're gonna have to do the uh combat recovery or the uh combat side stroke whatever you want to call it it's the same stroke um but you can learn those later on what you need to know is be comfortable in the water and be able to you know i said combat uh, rescue didn't i instead of combat recovery <laughs> i'm so stupid Hey man, that's you, not me. I didn't say it. <laughs> I say it's other not... stupid stuff. Don't worry about it. They're they're <laughs> probably changing the name anyway. It'll probably be the combat rescue stroke here soon. It'll be the, yeah. the Brian Silva stroke. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, I usually tell guys, hey, if if you have fins, great. If not, probably not worth going out and buying any, um, unless you have unlimited funds and you can just throw it around. But to me, freestyle is more difficult than um, finning anyway. So for me, it, it helped me more just focusing on freestyle. But. Yeah, I, actually, I just want to throw in, I'd say the same thing about a ruck. Like, it's nice to have, you know, the nice, super cushy ruck or whatever. And I like Everly Stock, so there's nothing against them. Don't not buy their stuff if you have the funds. But um, like when I was deployed or... Sometimes if I didn't have my ruck right nearby because I had to keep it ready or I had to keep it, you know, in order, I would just literally have a salt bag with a strap and I just put it on my back and just hold it with the little strap right here and on top of my neck. All you need to do is get used to the weight. You don't have to spend like $500 or whatever. If you don't have the funds, then just find something that's heavy and then carry it. If it's harder, then that's fine. Figure out a way to make it you know, so you can carry that load, shift it to shoulders or whatever. But, um, same thing with fins and rucking. Um, you don't have to spend a ton of money on everything in order to get prepared. So. Nope. Yeah. It's, it, it's not an excuse to not join if you don't have all the Gucci stuff. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay. Next question is, uh, I'm going to shoot it to Trent. When should I contact a special operations recruiter? Well, my answer to that is, why haven't you already? But I'll go over to you, Trent. Yeah, sorry. Um, I got kids in the house. But my response is, as soon as you're done watching this video and hitting subscribe and the notification button uh, or whatever it is on, on Apple and Spotify, you should go contact the SOAR uh, to get all the data you need uh, to join if you're interested or to, to make that transition and to start preparing to join. 
that's my answer. Yeah. Yeah, and a lot of guys, I think their apprehension is just because they think that once they contact a recruiter that they're going to have a ship date and be sent out immediately. You don't have those barriers, and no one's going to pressure you to do that. You're in the you're in the seat. You're in control. They're not going to force you to do anything that you don't want to do. And if you say, no, I don't want to ship until whatever date, they can't say you have to or else you're not going to be in the Air Force. There's a bunch of other recruiters, and no one should be pushing you around or bullying you like that. Um you tell them that you're interested and their job is to give you as much information to make an educated decision as possible. Just like what we're doing here is to try and let you make your own educated decision decision. So, um, don't be apprehensive about it. If one guy rubs you the wrong way, talk to another sore recruiter and we keep on posting links on IG on how to get in contact with them and working with a, uh, hopefully better process, uh, very soon that'll hopefully include an interactive map, kind of like the cone connect. So that's how be at DJ.com. Yeah. <laughs> it's a free, now, it's a free resource. And there's, there's a link on the ones ready website as well. Yeah. Yeah. So my thing is you get people that are worried about medications they've taken you know, the sore will be able to tell you immediate disqualifiers right off the bat. And if not, then at least you go to MEPS, you meet with the doctors and then they can talk waivers and, and what is or is not. But Find before you put all this blood, sweat, and tears into training. Which hey, it's cool. Go train anyway, right? But what I don't want you to do is, you know, maybe you are, you know, buying a swim coach. Maybe you are going out and you bought some insane ruck and fins and everything like that. I don't want you to do that until you at least find out that hey, I'm I'm good to go. Um, and those sores that we work with. Additionally, once you get cleared from MEPS you get to join a development session with the, the SOAR and a developer. Like, so it only benefits you to go see a SOAR sooner, get through MEPS, and then press on. Dude, shout out to those guys out in Tampa. Their sessions look super awesome. legitimate. Yeah, <laughs> I'm always hitting them up and being like, this is amazing. Dude, Sergeant Spencer doesn't mess around. Yeah. And their developer out there is a retired CCT chief. And he's he's well known for being a a monster, so he doesn't look it, but he he's apparently a stud. <laughs> They're crushing it. Yeah. <laughs> All right, moving on. Brian, I'm gonna shoot this one to you. Is there a a quote unquote dream sheet of jobs that you can volunteer for if you wash out? Yeah. So that's the whole thing with the. The new contracts, obviously, we were talking about. You can go watch the other episode about the SWOE contracts and check out what's the deal with that. But once you wash out, obviously, no one plans to do that and no one plans to quit or any of that kind of stuff if you get injured or something like that. Um, depending on your merit and how well they think you did through selection, you will get the opportunity to retrain into possibly like EOD or SEER or something like that, which is a supporting role to the operational side of things. Um, so a lot of guys may get that, but if you don't get that, then, you know, it is what it is and you will get a retraining package into, um, you know, a normal kind of uh, list based on the needs of the air force. Of course, um, you know, you fill out your top jobs and see what you kind of get. Uh, and then you'll get the chance to retrain. It's kind of gone back and forth. If you want to come back, uh, you have to, fulfill about half of your contract whatever that is for the new job that you have so uh that's currently what the rule is but uh 
if you, like I said, if you qualify to go into the other jobs and the cadre think that you would be a good fit, you just weren't there to get to PJCCT or SR TACP, then um, you get another opportunity. So, Look, and I, I know all of our listeners are going to make it, so it doesn't really matter. So you can tell the other people that don't make it, like this is how it's going to go down uh, when, once you get into the pipeline. Uh, if, you, if you're not selected or you, or you quit or whatever, you're going to sit down with the MTLs and some other people, and you're going to go through your, your options. Uh, but th- there's a lot of factors that go into where you can go after that, like your ASVAB score and a few other things. Uh, all the career fields have um, different requirements. Um, so you don't need to worry about that before you, before you join. Or w- once you join the pipeline, the once ready audience, uh, you can tell the people once they quit that this is what's going to happen. And uh, they'll, they'll have the opportunity to cross train into a, a stuff that they're qualified for. Yep. And one of the other things that I've seen, and I'll just hit it real quick, is um, I've seen people talk about going in to the Air Force and doing a, a normal Air Force job and then expecting to cross train. Here's why that's a bad idea. One, there's a lot of things can happen to you, you know, in your life in that time frame from you entering the Air Force to when you decide to cross train, if you ever, because I'll tell you what, people that plan to do that, most of the time do not end up cross training because something comes up or they're, they're nervous about it, kind of like they were nervous before they joined. So don't do that. Also, we have a limited number of cross training slots that we allow people. So that, I mean, that is one of the biggest things because, man, that would suck if you're, I mean, you're all in and you're ready to go. You got great scores and they only release, and I'm, I'm literally pulling numbers. I don't know. Say they release six slots and there's 12 of you guys that are cross training. Man, you were ready and you had a great package, but you weren't selected. And that just sucks. So that's why I would not hit another job and then go into it or not plan to do that anyway. So moving on to the next one, Trent, can females actually make it through? I don't see why not. Who asked this question? This is a ridiculous question. So I I did, (laughs) I did not write anybody's, I didn't want to call anybody out, but these are just some questions that I have received. And, and, you know, especially because we've, we've talked about this in the past and, yeah well and it's like i told you guys before we started the podcast my first reaction to that question was why don't you join get through the pipeline and you come back and tell us you know but um that's just my initial reaction i'm a terrible person on the inside yeah (laughs) so the the short answer is is yes the the standards are the standards it is what it is um there's there's nothing that said we we have we did a very long study and it's still ongoing it's called the women in service review and um that the, the findings from that study say that the, the job is open for females, and according to science and the doctors, it's an absolute yes, and that's why it's open. Yep. Yeah, the doors are open. Um, I've had a couple females that have uh, started the programs and are currently doing the programs, but we haven't seen anybody that has fully made it through selection at this point. I don't know, Trent, do you know uh, how far anyone who's made it specifically? The last I heard was two days was uh, the last female that was in there, but. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure, but honestly, the, the numbers are so low that they're not really even statistics yet. Um, you know, you think about the number of uh, males that join that don't make it. And, you know, it's hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people until we're at, I don't know, a few hundred. I don't think it's really a a valid statistic. Just my opinion. No, but the important thing is that, like, the guys on team that are going to be there in the pipeline and the guys, you know, once at the operational units, they don't 
they don't care whether you're a female or a male as long as you've met the standards and you've gone through the same suck that they have and you can operate accordingly. Yeah. If there are any females out there, don't focus on being the first female yeah. PJ or CCT or whatever. Just focus on being the best. That's it. Just like everyone else is trying to do. Yep. For, in, in my experience, I haven't run into that. I just want to put it out there. And, you know, most of the, uh, the female candidates we have are not, they'd rather just be one of the candidates. And uh, we haven't, I don't think we've really run into any issues. Good. That's awesome. All right. Next one's for you, Brian. All right. Can PJs expect to see combat? <laughs> so <laughs> we get this question a lot. Like, do PJs really do weapons training? Do they really do whatever? The answer is yes to all the above. We do a lot of weapons training. We always carry a gun in combat. We're combatants and we're not like, uh, you know, the dust off or whatever. We have guns on the side of our helicopter whenever we go in. And, uh, you know, our job is to defend ourselves. Now, that being said, our main job is not to go and shoot people in the face. And we tell people this a lot. Like we're not, I didn't join to be a PJ to, to go in there and throw grenades, you know, do the call of duty thing. Um, I went in to be the person that has to go in there and, you know, do medicine, perform it. Um, knowing that I would have to, if I had to shoot people, obviously, you know, that's part of the job and we do our offensive, uh, measures first and that's the best defense but um other than that yes you're gonna go to many combat zones all the time frequently at least every other year so you will see combat at some point if you're in long enough if you're maybe your first deployment you get out and it was to like i don't know somewhere in europe or africa where there's nothing going on maybe you won't i think gavin but, said the kuwait deployment yeah, kuwait, nothing really happened yeah. for him yeah, I mean, there are those deployments, but if you get out after that, then, yeah, you're not going to see anything. If you but stay in long enough, definitely. That's the case for any SEAL team, ODA team, yeah, yeah. controllers, SR. Like, it is the right place, the right time, the right circumstances. And you never know when that's going to be. Yeah, it's like if you visit uh, Florida, are you going to see a hurricane? Yeah, if you stay there long enough, I mean, <laughs> right? You'll that's probably the see one of the best analogy I've ever heard. Yeah, so that's what you can expect. The same thing from any of the career fields, including SEALs, PJs, whatever. So, do, do combat controllers see combat? I don't know. I've never <laughs> heard of anything. No, they just control never, it. Never seen it a day in my life. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. I didn't mean to laugh. I, I, I apologize. It was just a kind of a funny question from my end. All right. This one I've seen a few times, and it's it's disheartening because I, I feel for the, for the candidates, but... I don't have support from my family or my parents, and I don't have support from my friends. They're telling me not to go in. They're, they're worried that it's dangerous and, and that I shouldn't be doing this. So, um, Trent, I'll pass this one off to you first and see what you come up with. So the reason that all of us end up in this community, right, is there's – I think we all have that itch to do something um, that is dangerous and scary and uh, the, the need to push ourselves physically and psychologically and uh, to serve our country and to, to take care of our teammates, all those things, right? And that's, those are all things that I think would be difficult to um, fulfill, needs that are difficult to fulfill in any other realm. Um, so when your, your parents or your friends or anybody, they're non-supportive, I would say that that's, that's too bad, but 
the one of the reasons we started this podcast is because there was a lot of misunderstanding and misinformation and just lack of information about what it is that we do, uh, the type of people we are. And um, your, your parents and your friends and all those people are dealing with that same lack of information. And, and uh, I don't want to say ignorance because it sounds bad, but the ignorance uh, of what it is, you know, the Hollywood version of, of what we do, where you're in constant firefights 100% of the time. And uh, all the people you're going to be serving with are, are animals or they're terrible people. Uh, that's just not the case. So if, if you have that, that drive and that willingness to serve, don't, don't get caught up in that nonsense. Don't feel that negativity. Don't don't reciprocate that negativity. Just realize where it's coming from. It's probably coming from a place of concern. And then just move forward with what you want to do and uh, and go fulfill your goals. Yeah, I think that uh, last thing you said, it's coming from a place of concern, is the majority of the things. I've had a lot of uh, you know parents of guys that are going into SW talking about you know what should they prepare for the kids what should they expect and it's awesome that the parents are reaching out and we encourage that if you guys have any questions we're open to asking to answering them but my parents were the same way they did had no idea of what it was going to be like and the only reference they have is what's in movies so um you know of course they don't want you to get hurt they don't want their their kid to go into something where they could potentially get hurt. But if you are a parent or you can tell your parents, you know, it's really the fulfillment of doing the job that we have been able to do that, uh, is going to change you for the rest of your life. And if you stop yourself from doing those things that you want to do, then you'll regret it later. Or potentially, you know, you might not, you might uh, not get along with your parents or, kind of uh have some regrets later on just because they held you back so don't let that be on your shoulders for the rest of your life go out there and try the things that you want to do because time goes by really fast before you know it you're not going to be able to to do those things and regrets the worst too Mm -hmm. oh man it's awful all right i'm gonna cover this question real quick just because it's a fairly quick answer is am i allowed to have or am i allowed to join the air force Air Force Special Warfare, having LASIK and PRK surgery. So what I have heard from the SOAR, and that is of, you know, June 2020, is that it's a 6 to 12 month with uh, 6 to 12 month wait, and that's assuming that there were no complications in the LASIK or PRK, but you have to check with your SOAR and you're going to have to go to MEPS. So don't take our word for it. Because this changes all of the time. I know that the vision requirements changed. Um, I don't even know when that happened, but I just found out about it uh, a couple weeks ago. So go see a sore, check with them before you go getting LASIK and LASIK and PRK. You guys want to pile in on any of that, or good to move on? Just say any medical conditions or questions, because we get a lot of these. Like I broke my leg when I was in high school, but I got a plate, and now I could still do everything. Um, can I join? And our answer is like, yeah, I mean, probably I've heard of people and I've seen students that have the same thing like you're talking about, I think, but there are a lot of different variations of surgery. And if anything went wrong, like Peterson, you know, there are some complications or other things. They put a different kind of metal or whatever, you know, there's a bunch of different variations that we can't say, yep, go ahead. They're going to accept you for sure. Because, you know, we're not the authority on that. Yeah, um, our force screws, yeah. is that the limit? You know, we have yeah, no idea. Yeah. It's the doctors. <laughs> I'm sorry. Oh, and then you want to go into a range of, of all the medications. And yeah. it's like, hey, if you, okay, so, well, since we're talking about, if 
if there's medications that you're concerned about, check with a SOAR. But just know that some of those variables that they base them on are what was the medication, how long did you take it, why did you take it, and how long has it been since you took it. So those are generally some of the questions that they're asking. But um, Pretty much with again, all drugs, both <laughs> regular medications and illicit yes. drugs. Yeah. <laughs> Re- recreational. Yeah, recreational, yeah. <laughs> I mean, one, one, once again, listen, subscribe, contact SOAR. Yep. <laughs> nice. Do I need to get to a certain weight to look more like an operator, or will this increase my chances of being selected? Brian, you must have added that question in there. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> I haven't gotten that one before. <laughs> uh, I get that question a lot. They're like, uh, well, I guess you, you got it the other day, you know, is Peach is really five foot four? Oh, or, yeah. That's right. Or whatever. <laughs> like, are you serious? Um, or do I need to get to a certain weight? I get that probably once a week. Um, guys are saying I weigh 135, 140 pounds. Um, and I'm really skinny or something like that. Do I need to get to a certain weight? And my answer is always like, yeah, eat right. Do all that stuff. Nutritionally, try not to go to like Burger King and McDonald's fast food all the time. Um, but more importantly, can you perform the standard and, can you be a good teammate? All those other attributes that we constantly talk about, you know, we're not looking for a dude to put up on a poster. Um, every time that we hire a candidate, although the hair does have to look good. The second thing is you have to be able to perform. <laughs> so, um, you know, majority of the time, no hope. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's why the older guys have a little bit of a disadvantage too. I forgot to mention that in the earlier thing, but you know, the, already the, starting at a deficit. That's yeah, terrible. Exactly. <laughs> So just make sure that you're able to perform the standards and that is realistically all you need to be concerned about. Whether you weigh 200 pounds and conform the standard or not, then uh, that's a thing. Actually, there is a thing with maps where you can't be a certain BMI, but barring that. Um, yeah, I think there yeah. is a underweight and an overweight that you can't be. There's definitely an underweight uh, at maps, yeah. or there was back in the day. So like, like you plugged earlier, See a sore because they have that chart and that BMI chart that can tell you what it is. Yeah, we don't but do like a, yeah. a heightened six pack check though. When you show up, mm, we're not yeah. like, well, you you know, I can only see four of your abs. Get out. Yeah, you know, there's yeah. nothing stupid. I walk like that. around with a keg. <laughs> yeah, which is probably better when you're starting the pipeline. The joke when I was going through, uh, you know, the pipeline was when you graduate in dog, you look at twig, but you don't look like an operator or whatever until you actually get to your first unit and you actually start working out with the rest of the dudes that are able to, you know, outlift you and out everything you because they've been lifting for a long time. So you're not going to get big until later. But it's different though. So training for the pipeline and in the pipeline you're training for something very specific, which is why we always say, hey, cool, if you're going to do weights, great, but make sure that you're doing pull-ups, push-ups, sit-ups, flutter kicks, sit-up, you know, on and on and on, and not necessarily concerned about doing weight training because as soon as you get out of the pipeline and you're on the team, I mean, dude, you're just going to be jack and steel all the time. Yeah, first deployment is the first time I got, like, actually big with muscle, and I was, like, too big, but... <laughs> yeah. yeah, cool. Trent, did you want to pile on that or you get? No, I mean, running gets harder when you get heavier, though. And that was my second yes. deployment. I came home from a second rotation. I'm like, I am all that is man. And then I tried to run a six-minute mile and almost yeah. died. And I was like, oh, oh, this is a yeah. thing. Yeah, that's why all those big exactly. dudes were struggling. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
what is the best way to get started training? I'll uh, put that to you, Trent. Find your weakness. So, like one one of the things, one of the qu- other questions. This is how I look at it: is is should I go do something else first? Should I train in something else first? Like, should I study something first? That's the um, the thing that they talk about. Um, and to me, it, you should just start training and figure out what you're not good at and focus on that. It's just like uh, I don't know. I was rolling around in my head earlier. I was watching some uh, some UFC fights, and I'm like, it occurred to me, like, why would you go train uh, uh, Muay Thai? If your weakness is wrestling, you know, and you don't know your weakness is wrestling until you start legitimately training. Uh, so go out there and find out what your weakness is, right? And 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 train your weakness. So to me, I'd go out there and, and and take a pass test and start there and figure out what I'm not good at. So like, you know, if you knock out your push-ups and your sit-ups, but you only get like you know five six pull-ups, that's what you need to be focusing on uh, and then keeping that other stuff going uh, and getting yourself in the pool, but. That's what should drive your training plan and your training focus. I don't know if I made a lot of sense there. I was watching UFC. I got amped. I was like, ah, this kind of <laughs> makes sense. Like, why would you do this first? Like, uh, but you're not going to know that you, you what you suck at until you, you you give it a go in a real world situation. Don't be like, I'm going to do my pull ups. I'll buy you know today. The only thing I'm going to do is pull ups. You knock out ten. Nah, like you should do it all the way that the past is performed, and then figure out where your weaknesses are. Yeah. yeah. And just to add on that, I mean, the thing that you said about taking the pass test, that's exactly where I tell guys to start. And that's how I base the workout programs that I have on the website on uh, bpj.com. Um, if you can pass the past, then you go to the higher echelon one. If you can't, then you go to the starting step where you have to train to pass the past. And I try to make it as straightforward as possible. Like that is all you need to do. You have these workouts and then you do them based on what you get on your score. And if you're weak at swimming, you're weak at whatever, use those tools. Like we were talking about, um, the total immersion or get a a buddy to help you out, find somebody, a coach. If you're in um, high school, use your coaches that you have at your school. If you know, you're able to do sports right now, but, um, use those, find your weaknesses, just like Trent was saying. And Make sure that you work on those. Just like Arnold Schwarzenegger, the famous thing he used to say when he was, you know, training was his calves were weak, so he'd wear shorts all the time and he'd make sure he hit his calves every single session because he wanted to get his calves jacked. So work on your weaknesses, find it. Don't work on your strengths. It feels good to work on your strengths, but use that like as a reward. If you have huge biceps and you can lift sixty pound with each curl or whatever. Um, then sure, make that your reward and make it a fun thing after you're done working on your weaknesses, not um, the only thing you do at the gym. So, Yeah, that's that's pretty common. People just don't want to work on their weaknesses. I've been guilty of it as well. Mm-hmm. Like, eh, man, well, and I don't necessarily want to do burpees yeah. or salt bike. Yeah. Well, and, and the, we all have like one of these, you know, a phone with all the world's information that's ever been collected in the palm of your hand. There's a lot of different places out there on the internet to go that are good places to go to figure out, you know, how your body works and what you need to do to get better at it, and and find the place that you know resonates with you, and uh, and get started. Also, you could also find a accountability partner or some hold yourself find a way to hold yourself accountable. I've seen it done where you announce it on social media to to the world. Hey, I'm doing. X challenge or X event and it's several months away and people like if they don't see you working towards it your friends will probably start calling you out or they should or maybe you you should want them to call you out. And I know that if I did that I would get called out 
immediately. And yeah. that keeps me honest. It keeps me going for it because I don't want to have to answer the mail on, oh man, I gave up or something like that. Yeah. That's what we used to do um, in the team room is like, hey, I'm going to do a marathon and it's going to be whatever. And everyone's, you know, once a week or, you know, once a month, they're like, how's your marathon training going? And if you're like, I kind of uh, stopped running or I kind of stopped whatever, <laughs> then obviously uh, there's a little bit of diminished trust, I guess a little bit, but, um, yeah, keeping yourself accountable is super important. Well, that's, that's how I ended up where I'm at right now. I just tell people what I'm going to do. And then it's super embarrassing if you don't follow through. And if your friends aren't the people that are going to call you out, you need new friends. Yep. Oh yeah. Okay. Um, so we're done with the questions. Are there any other questions or topics that you guys wanted to address before I close this out? No, I got it. All right, cool. We love the questions, all the interactions that we get on Instagram, YouTube comments, through our email. If you go to onesready.com, you can submit a question to us. You can also email us directly at info at onesready.com, and we'll get back to you guys. We try and get back as quick as possible, get back to you as quick as possible. Sometimes we get bogged down with our actual jobs and you know, some people are moving and that kind of stuff. So, yeah. um, but all of these interactions, all of these questions and answers are why we exist. We're trying to give you the most current, up-to-date, and relevant information that is out there. We understand that this is not easy. It is a difficult task to get through Air Force Special Warfare. And even when you're on the teams, it's still difficult. It doesn't change. So, um one other thing to consider, and, and this doesn't necessarily go in line with the questions that we had, but you, if you're coming into this, these career fields, you need to be a self-starter, meaning you need to be able to be proactive, take initiative, problem solve. You know, some of the questions that we do get, and again, this, this may sound bad, but because we love the questions that we're getting, but sometimes all it would take would be a, a simple Google search, or if you listen to the podcast, like those questions are going to be answered. Now, if you have something very specific, rock on, and we will continue to answer these questions. We, we enjoy doing it. Again, it's why we exist, but just we are looking for problem solvers, self-starters. So if you're not one, start becoming one. Well, because Aaron's not here, I'm just going to say he's the one that complains about all the questions all the time. It's, you know, Aaron gets very upset about all the, the, the questions that you could have just Googled. <laughs> uh, okay. So, um, as always, we really appreciate your time spending it with us, watching their stuff. Again, visit our partners, Alpha Brew Coffee Company, Strikeforce Energy, Eberly Stock, and Hoist. And we'll see you next time. Oh, and that promo code is one's ready. So unless you guys have anything else, we're out. Later. Appreciate it. On each breath.